This is the Living Fearless Today podcast, a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously. I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forrester, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. Well, hello and welcome back, my friend. Man, this week, David Masano and I are sitting down to chat and just encourage you to like step out of what you you're in the midst of. David's one of 18. Tell me that it's one of those that, you know, you can't separate. David's proved that you can, you can find your passion. You can find your dreams. You can pursue your goals as unique to you separated from everything else. So I'm excited to have David with me. David, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing well. Super stoked to be on this. I'm super excited to give this story. And yeah, I'm doing really amazing. Today's been such a great day. I appreciate it, man. And you and I had talked before you're getting ready to do like a uh, CrossFit competition. I thought that was super amazing just to take on something like that. Hey, before we jump into the rest of the questions, I love you. Like what, what got you to do that? And then like, how do you prepare for something like that? Cause that's not a normal, Hey, I'm working my nine to five. And by the way, I'm just going to go run down and try this uh, CrossFit competition. So yeah. you want to jump in and share some of that? Yeah. So CrossFit has been a passion. I've been in different types of fitness for a long time in my life. Now for, I've been in fitness for about six years, but CrossFit really stood out to me because of the how much how much of a struggle it was. It wasn't something that you could just go in there, be like, I'm going to lift some weights and I'm going to gain some muscles from this. This was like you come in the gym and you're getting blasted for a good 14 to 32 minutes. And it's like, man, that that was not I did not like that. But the fact that it was horrible made you come back and do it again. But I liked how much of a how much I learned from it within myself. Uh, it was it it related so much to life because it was like there were so many setbacks that you can make in CrossFit where you come up to this roadblock. I can't do that weight, or it's too heavy, or I can't move that fast. And it's the same thing in life. And so that's why I always push with CrossFit. And going into this competition, I've been competing for almost about it's been about a year and a half now. I've done five other competitions, come in first in about three, I uh, came in second in one, and then I did one recently. It was my biggest one, came in eighth place, and this next one is going to be my biggest one, and it's actually going to have a lot of CrossFit athletes in it, so I'm going to be going to train for it is a different monster. I literally just finished my last competition, and I was like, I want to go do this now, Like this is, and it was kind of a last minute. And I only now, I only have about five and a half months to prepare for it. So it's literally, I have to, and now I'm bulking up. So I went from a shred, now I'm going straight into a bulk. So I'm bulking up, getting as much muscle and strength. So, cause there's people throwing around 275 pounds, 315 pounds for reps. And I have to be able to comp compete with that and also be able to run 
miles in seven, eight minutes below that. And it's like, you got to move heavy weight, run long distances, swim long distances. So there's going to be two months right before the training that I'm going to be doing heavy cardio, hour long sessions, keeping the heart rate at about 155 beats per minute. And then right now it's just focusing on strength. So strength is the hardest part to gain. Cardio is not hard. It just, it's time and just showing up and giving it your all. Strength, it takes a lot of prep. You're going to have to put on mass to gain that muscle to be able to move more weight. So it's a lot, but I'm enjoying the process. And I think it's showing me a lot about myself, whether I really want it or not, because the sessions, the workout sessions are anywhere from an hour to an hour and 45 minutes now. Gotcha, dude. Well, let's jump into the the regular questions that I start with. I just like, dude, CrossFit, that's an amazing thing. Yeah, I love um, it. Yeah, it was like when you're talking about the competition, I'm like, that's some intense, like, just focus and yeah, loved yeah. loved your energy about it. Yeah. Um. So what does it look like today as far as on the professional side of life? What does that look like for you? Yeah, so it's crazy because I gave up everything for where I'm at now. I've always loved fitness and I never ever wanted to make it a job. I didn't want to make it a job at all. I just wanted to do it because I loved it. And the reason why I loved it is I didn't have, there was a point in my life when I was really, really young. I was 14 years old and I came to the realization I was, I was suicidal at the age of 14. And coming to that point in my life when I was so young, I didn't, there was a lot of commotion between my parents being very religious and my family who did not like the religion. I, I, in some aspect, I would call it a cult. And it came to that point where it was like, if I don't join this church, I'm going to go to hell. And then if I do, if I do join the church, like I'll be saved. And it came to that commotion where my, some of my family was like, no, that's not true. And then you have your parents pulling you the opposite direction. So it's like, I don't know what to do and I don't know what to believe. And it's this type of commotion that I came up against. And fitness is what saved my life. It gave me an out where I can go and nothing else mattered. I'm just there, just in that moment. Nothing in the world matters. And it changed me. It it gave me a purpose. It gave me a drive in life. So today, professionally, I now teach and have a mentor that teaches me how to help other people through mindset, nutrition, and fitness. So that is my full-time gig. And I literally, it's all online. I teach people how to take fitness and nutrition and build a plan that is customized to themselves and be able to make that lifestyle through that mindset, which people don't understand. It's nutrition and fitness that make up your mindset. So many people that I've dealt with, we change their fitness and nutrition just a little bit, add some sleep, drink more water. And they're like, wait, I don't, what what just happened? What did you do? Did you put a spell? And it's like those little things, that's what I try to give to people. But that's why I'm so passionate about it because there's no vices, there's no drugs. You're literally just changing what you put into your body and how to fuel it with fitness. And it's very simple. So that's what I do professionally now. And living a dream and I'm able to, right now I have a clientele of over 10. It's still a small business. I just recently started about uh, it's been about two two months now, two full months. I have a little over ten clients, and we're trying to grow all around the world. We got we just got our first client outside of the state, and it's continually growing and growing. And I'm just excited to get 
people as many results. And I give this stuff away for free too. Like that's my goal is to give everything away for free because I know what it did for me. And I want everyone else to have exactly what was given to me. Mm, Yeah. And that's empowering, man. Like when things change for you, Mm. like when you change, everything changes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So what does it look like for you today? Personally, what does life look like there? So personally, my life is it's I'm a big business guy. Once you I think once you find something, it becomes like you. So on a personal aspect, I love to adventure and I never really had that. I never had that opportunity. I was always working a nine to five. I was in the military for a short amount of time. I went I went to school. I never had the opportunity to go and do what I loved to do, which was travel and be able to meet amazing people that were going towards the same goal as me. And it didn't have to be in the same industry as fitness. It could be in something totally different, but I love to meet people with the same energy and aspirations as myself. And so when I went and did this and made this decision to get a mentor to teach me how to do this online gig and be able to make my passion monetize it, I started to get the clientele and I was able to live a life where I was able to go to different cities and be able to go in on a computer and teach them how to do fitness while I'm in a place that I love to do, to be at. So like we had just recently went to Bernie Falls and we were out there just hanging out and I was able to teach my clientele while I was on the laptop. And I, I love to travel. I love to explore. One of my key things in my journey in life, uh, there's actually a trail from the top of the US to the bottom. One day, one day, hopefully, I wanna do it with my friend, uh, actually my girlfriend, but we wanna go from the top of the US all the way, all the way down, backpacking all the way down to the bottom of the US. And it's a goal of ours, something that we aspire to do, but I'm, I love nature and my personal life, It's right now it's just nature, um, just being with my girlfriend and then literally just hanging out with uh, family because that's that's the stuff that I'm passionate about. And that's my why. Why do I do it? I want to be that aspiration for my nephews, for my my future kids. And I want them to look up and look up to me and say, man, he did that from nothing. I want to be exactly like that. And that it is possible. I came from nothing and I was able to do something with nothing. And that's why I want to give people faith. I want to give them hope that it is possible no matter where you're at. Yeah, absolutely. Because that changed, again, just like with fitness, that's a game changer. Mm-hmm. It, it switches our trajectory. Yeah, well, exactly. You, you had shared in there, like, you know, you were 14 and tried to commit suicide, right? Mm-hmm. What led up to it to take such an extreme measure? Um, you know, because like I've been there as well mm-hmm. and I just didn't feel like things could change. I wasn't moving the needle. And so it felt like I'm never getting off this track. Mm-hmm. Like what was it that led up to you making that decision? Cause that's a, that's a serious decision to make. Like yeah. what led up to that point in time? So it was a lot. So like I said, it was, it was a lot to do with the religion and just back and forth commotion. So at that time, both of my parents were fighting. One didn't like the church. The other one was, die hard. I'm not leaving this church. I'm here till I die. Um, And then the rest of my family had seen the way that my dad had treated my mom. And 
just didn't like it. It was very disrespectful, degrading. It, it just she just got treated as if she wasn't a human being, you know. And it was hard to see from us as kids, and I was young, but seeing just constantly waking up to strife and bickering in the home, and just constantly waking up to that type of subject, and it was just hostile every day. And I wake up, and that kind of became the new norm. Is like you wake up, parents are arguing. And then you try and go and do something throughout your day. And it's like, then you go from that and learning that from them. Then you start putting that into your life. And then you can't make friends. It's like, no one likes me because I'm being exactly like them. And this is the type of person that I became. And it's like, this is not, I don't like this. I have no friends. People don't like me because of the way I'm being. And I, I want my parents' attention, but I can't have it because they're dealing with stuff too. And there's all these other kids that they're trying to take care of. And I, at a young age, you don't really understand it. So I'm going through this. And I actually, when I was that age, I remember that day, I waited till everyone went to sleep. Uh, I lived at, I lived with my parents still. And I took my bike out. I got out. And I started riding my bike. I remember it was about 11.25 at night. I still remember the whole night. Uh, I got out and I started riding my bike. And I was like, I rode it to the closest bridge. And I still go by that bridge a lot just to look at it and just see like I was I was there at the, this point. And I went to that point and I looked down. I remember I got off my bike and I saw the cars passing. And I was like, man, like, I, I think this is it. Like, I don't. There's no point that I can see to life. And then everything just started to flood me. I think that perspective that people say when they're close to dying, they start to everything flushes back into their mind. And that's exactly what happened. I wanted, I had just this big vision. Like I, I love my brothers. I love my sisters. And all the good things that happened in my life just came back to my mind. And I was like, I'm going to leave all of this, like all of that. And I'm not, I'm going to hurt a lot of people in the, in the process of doing this and going through this. It was like, I need to do something that would just make my life better. Like, how can I make my life better? And I was only 14 years old trying to do these little techniques. And it was very awe-inspiring looking at it back, looking back at it. Now it's like, man, I'm looking a smart kid. Like, and I went back home, I remember, and for three months, my family still remembers this, for three months, I did not say anything, for three entire months, and it was a very weird thing, but when I, when I tell this to people, they're like, what do you, why would you just go silent? I've always thought, like, one of the biggest things my dad had always taught me is that you need to be careful what comes out of your mouth, because what comes out of your mouth becomes reality. Um, because what you're thinking is what you say and what you say becomes reality. And I always had that in the back of my mind. And I was like, man, maybe I'm, I just need to watch what I say. So I just became very coherent about what I was saying. But instead of watching what I was saying, I thought the easier part was not to say anything at all. And I did that for three months and it was very, very peaceful. I had to answer to no one people, but the, the crazy thing about it is my parents got very worried about it. They had thought like I had mentally something happened to me. Um, I had started getting thrown into doctor's offices. I got thrown to psychiatric, like psychologists, things like this. And I'm like, 
But the crazy thing is, is that they had did tests on me and said that my tests from a week before were worse than my tests were now. And they said there was something weird about my cognitive ability, like my stress hormones were different. Um, a lot of the psychologists said like nothing was wrong with me, like the kid is perfectly fine. The doctors were saying all my tests were coming like superseding everything that I've ever like ever had. My blood work was fine. Everything was great. And my parents were just bewildered, like, what's wrong with them? And then finally, after three months, I finally said something. I knew it was going on the whole time. But it like I always think back to that spot, like, how did I know like just to be quiet? How did I know that was gonna do something for me? But I think it, it's a very true thing is that what we say has a lot of impact on our life. And when you don't say anything, you kind of just are observing life and you become an observer to life. And instead of saying anything, you just do and watch. You watch and do. And that's how you do it. And it was very relieving to me. And even now, like I'm very, I still practice on saying little, doing as much as I can and listening more because I feel like, I mean, you have two ears, one mouth and two eyes, I think you should use them in that way is you should listen and see more and talk less. And that was one of the biggest things that changed me was that point is you start to see who really cares for you. And that's going to come back. And I had this talk after that happened with some of the family members that I really were close to. And they said that, yeah, like, I would have been hurt by it. Like, it would have been it would have touched me. And it, it just makes you realize like you are, even though sometimes you don't, aren't told it, that you are really cared about. So that was one of the reasons that really stopped me from doing it. That's something I don't think a lot of us get a chance to see is that, yeah, people do care because we can get to that place like you're talking about where it's like, nah, nobody's going to miss me. Nobody cares. I'm not being heard, Mm -hmm. especially it sounds like, you know, in your home environment, right? Growing up in your family. Yeah. I know that was the case for me. It was like, whatever. Um, You know, it's just, it's a moot point. Nobody's going to care. So I don't think most of us get that opportunity to actually see that. Yeah. Somebody does care. These people are involved. So you waited three months um, you remain silent, almost like a monk, right? In a silent yeah. retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, what made you stop after three months and actually start speaking? Cause I mean, you're, sounds like you're coherent, you know, what's going on yeah. and it's just an intentional decision. Like I'm going to watch my, what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to start speaking again after three months? What was the trigger then? Yeah. So it was, it was a thing of, I was going to be quiet until I started to feel better. Like I wasn't gonna allow myself to say anything until I started to feel the way I wanted to feel. Cause I was just tired of waking up, just going through this routine day of bickering, going to school, being yelled at by teachers, being a class clown, other students not liking me, not having friends, being the odd one out. I was I was done with it. I was like, this is not this is not happening no more. And so it was literally just I mean I didn't really know why I made the decision, but that was the first thing that came to me is my dad saying, it popped into my head and it was like, my dad always said like, watch what you say because that can become reality. And I was like, well, if I need to watch what I say, why just why just not say anything at all? And then that way that's a lot easier. So as soon as I started to feel and things actually really started to happen, from that point on, I went from 
a, a B, C, D student to a straight A student. I was very respected in the church that I went to with that, with my parents. I started to get friends. Everything just started to change. And I'm like, what is, what did, what did I, I don't even understand what I changed. And I started to feel and live the life that I wanted to live. And then that's when I was like, you know what, like, maybe I can start talking again. So I did, I started to come out and it wasn't like right away. I went back to the old me. I started to slowly talk. And I think I fell in that time. I started to fall in love with myself instead of looking for this outside, like you're this type of person. We love you looking for love outside of me. I think at such a young age, I learned to go inside and find love for myself and love me and love who I was. And I don't, I feel like people underestimate that because when you go inside and you learn to love yourself, like you can go in the worst environment ever, but you're, you're with you and that's all you need. And I think that was the most powerful thing that I ever did in my life. And I still explain this story. Like my dad had to ask me when I, when I got older, he was like, why did you, why did you do that? And I explained it to him and he was like, in a way he said, I mean, he would never say this, but with his like his actions and the way he just stopped talking, I think he was kind of proud of me. I felt it a little bit. And yeah, so it felt good to do that. But like I said, it just took me out of my whole, my old mindset. It took me out of myself and kind of put me in a better perspective of who I wanted to be and kind of made me fall in love with the life I had and just being thankful for the things that I did have instead of constantly focusing on this chaos. Did the chaos change like in the, in the family response, right? How they're going day to day. Did it change at all during that three months or thereafter? Or did it kind of remain constant? And it was just you that changed in the midst of the situation. Yeah. So it was me that changed in the midst of the situation. And I think what helped was me changing my perspective towards the situation. And I think that's kind of, I'm not like a huge believer in manifestation, but in a way, I feel like you kind of manifest what comes around you. I believe that you are the person that you think about and you are the person that you hang around. So if whoever the people that you hang around with is who you're going to become, I think that my parents showed that to me at such a young age is that I just picked up their bad habits and just, I don't like you. So I'm going to scream and yell at you, you know? And it was like, as I grew up, I started to learn like, that's not me. So I started to hang around the person that I wanted to be. And then I started to become that person and started to kind of shift my mindset. Like, and I think that's one thing that people underestimate is that when you start to shift your mindset, you start to shift your personal reality. And from that, you start shifting your reality too. Yeah, very true. So you were 14 at that time, Mm -hmm. then you get to 18. Now it's a big point. A lot of us, when it's like, freedom you know we can (laughs) we can run out what did you do when you you know got to 18 and you you know graduated high school what did you decide to do and and go from there so i left home i I, yeah i left home at a young age i left when i was 17 um i moved away from home when i was 17 i moved with a sister in vegas and at 18 years old i was starting my senior year of high school i was just starting to kind of get back to like a normal life because there was so much chaos between my family. My parents were actually separating 
at that point in my life. And that's why I decided to leave. I was like, I want no part of this church. I want no part of this. This is not my life no more. So I decided to leave and my sister had given me, I, I had turned to vices at such a young age. I think it was 16 years old. I started smoking weed and drinking. And I knew at 17, I was like, if I ever do want to become the successful person that I know I want to be, there's no way I'm going to be able to do it with this in my life. And I just constantly thought about that. And I was like, well, if I get an opportunity, then I'm using that to stop this. And that's exactly what happened. My sister had called me and she had her, I kind of got caught by one of my other family members smoking and she had called my sister in Vegas. And then she called me and said, Hey, I heard you're going through a lot. Like I have an opportunity where you can move out here and finish out high school in a safe environment. And I was like, that that's it. That's all I needed. So I vowed to myself, like, yes, I'm going out there. And when I go out there, all the vices are going bye-bye. And that's exactly what happened. But one of my oldest brothers had taught me, he said, if you ever want to get rid of a bad habit, you have to replace it with something else because it's not just going to go away. So I was like, I asked myself, like, what am I going to do to replace this? Like, I can't just throw it out and stop thinking about it. I need to replace something else in instead. And I knew I was athletic and I was trying out for the basketball team when I moved to Vegas. And I was like, you know what? I want to get, I want to get fitter. And that's exactly what happened is I moved into fitness and weightlifting and weightlifting. Uh, the crazy thing about that is where I started. So I actually didn't really care about it for the first couple of weeks. And then I met a guy, uh, he's actually one of the world's strongest man competitors by the name of Nick Best. And uh, I met him in person. I still have the picture because I feel like that was the turning point of my life is I met him and he had made this speech in our class about his dad abusing his mom and how he felt so vulnerable because he couldn't do anything. He was a six foot two kid. Five, I think he was 150 pounds, was just this thin, really tall kid. And I was almost the same exact time. I was six foot, 150 pounds. So I was skinny too. And I was like, he said one thing that always will stick with me. Like, if I can become big and if I can do it, so can you. There's no reason I was poor, I was broke, and I made the life that I have now. And that always stuck with me. And even to today, I always think of that. If he can do it, I can always do it. And that's always been my motto for the rest of my life, I think. But that's where my fitness journey started and how I got rid of those vices. And that was my 18-year-old path. That's amazing, man. And then, so you're with your sister in Vegas. Mm -hmm. You're working on fitness. How do things continue to progress? I mean, now you're like, hey, I have a a healthy way of, you know, investing myself. How do you see things continuing to grow, um, you know, from where you had been? How are you changing what's life like mm -hmm. around you? Because you're not the same you know, you're not smoking weed. You're not being the same yeah. guy you were before you moved to Vegas, right? How yeah, do things exactly. continue to move? So it drastically. So it, it was crazy. After I got into fitness, I didn't even get into the nutrition aspect of it. It was just fitness. And I was going, I was trying out for the basketball team. I ended up not making the basketball team, which I was like, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not even going to let that take me down. I went from my 10th grade. I went from, I was smoking weed. I was just a BC student. I got my grades better. But 
my ninth grade in high school, I actually failed my ninth grade in high school. My sophomore year, I was a BC student. I was trying to transition to get better. My sophomore year, when I got into fitness, I became a straight A student. Got the I got the principal's award and everything, and it, it it just shocked me, like what I could actually do. I started working, I started lifting, and I started. I got a job at Starbucks, and I was still a straight A student. But it wasn't that I became a straight A student. I started become pa- to become passionate about school, and that's kind of where I found I found a passion that I had for art. And I started doing these things that I loved and I started hanging out with friends. I started being around more respectable people and getting around the people that I really wanted to live with. And I started actually being able, so my sister's husband was a business owner and he was allowing me to be around him and other business owners. And it just started to transpire that, oh man, like this, this is a life I can live. Um, So this kept happening. And then I got into my senior year. And I started to, I became a wrestler. I didn't even care about basketball anymore. Uh, That coach lost his opportunity. And the next year, I actually gained so much muscle mass on me. From when I started lifting to my senior year, I gained 25 pounds of lean body mass from 150 pounds to 175 pound kid. And I was just, I felt amazing. And everyone was coming around like, man, how'd you do it? Like, that's amazing. So then I went from just a regular kid in high school to like, oh, like this kid's amazing. And I set some records in my school for some weightlifting records for deadlift. And I became an AP student. I started taking honor roll classes. I was on the wrestling team. And all these things started to transpire. And I just started to feel like, oh, like life is working for me instead of against me now. And things just kept happening more and more and more as I I started to fall in love with myself. But something had happened with me and my sister's husband, and it kind of threw me off cycle. We, our relationship got messed up. And uh, yeah, after I graduated high school, it was, graduating high school was the scariest thing in my life. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And like, I don't, I think a lot of kids go through this nowadays is that the ones that never really have somebody to guide them, they're just going through it, trying to figure everything out out on their own. All these kids are like, oh, like I just got a scholarship to this university or, oh, I'm going to, to Harvard or, oh, I'm going over to a lot of the people at my school were going to Colorado State. And I'm like, man, dude, like, I don't even know where I'm going. Like, this is crazy. And it was just, I was so sad. Like I, I, all my friends were leaving the college and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to join the Marine Corps. And, and that was my first thought. And then I had talked to one of my sisters came to visit me out in Vegas. And she was like, Hey, like there's this really good school in LA that I know of. And there, I feel like you should go give college a try before you try that. And so I was like, you know what? Like, yeah, I'm going to do that because I know I'm going to have to give up my family if I join the military. And even though I had already did so, I was already like, I never really talked to anyone. I was like losing everyone and falling in love with a new life. And so I moved to LA after and went to college for architecture. And it was just, I'd say I started to get in this habitual lifestyle again, where it was just school, um, working out and going to work. And it was like, okay, like this ain't happening again. Like, I'm not about to do this all over. And then COVID hit and 
I had literally gotten to the point where there was no friends, there was no contact with any other people. And it was like, this is not it. Like, and that's where I had made the switch. I was like, I need to find something that will push me to the next level. Like, I need something. And that was the first thought was, if I wanted to become a very successful person and wanted to do what I wanted, that I said that I wanted to do, which was be able to own a company or make a lot of money, I'm going to need discipline to do so. And the only place that I knew that I can inherit such a such a thing was the Marine Corps because of how structured and disciplined they were. So I joined the Marine Corps when I was 20 years old and I went through all the training, didn't see family for nine months. And did, that was probably the hardest part. I didn't have contact with them for four months and no phone call, no no letters, nothing. And it was that was the biggest mental challenge I ever had. But it showed me my mental capacity that I could do stuff that I that I set my mind to. And after I got finished with my training, a big opportunity I came up where uh, an uncle of mine was said that he wanted to. I actually went up to him and asked him if he could teach me about the stock market, and he accepted it. And he had he's been making his wealth already. He already crossed seven figures already. And I was like, yeah, I want to learn from somebody that has what I want already. So I started trying to learn from him and he was teaching me while I was in the military. And I was like, I want to do this. Like I start, he, I made a little bit of money. I got super stoked and I was like, oh my goodness, like this could be my breakthrough. Like I could do what I want to do. And then all of a sudden I was like, some things started happening in the military where I was trying to go into special forces and it ended up not happening. COVID started going on, the vaccinations started getting bigger and bigger and they started demanding that we had to get that. But I wanted to be in the special forces and my training had got delayed and I was like, oh no, this ain't this ain't gonna happen because I didn't wanna just be another Marine. I was tired of being that. Like you're just another number, they don't care about you. And I was only a reserve, so I was taking up, I was losing money and time, and I lost a promotion at my job to stay in the military. So I was suffering financially to just even make it into the military the weekends that I had to. And I was like going under mentally at that point. I was like, man, like this is not going to work. So I was like, you know what, like if I'm not going to be able to do this, like there's no point in just caring anymore. So I was like, I'm going to put all my attention towards the stocks. And that's what happened. But the military caught on and my, my commanders saw that. And after a certain amount of time, they threw me in a mental asylum, which was the longest week and a half of my life. I've never had a longer week and a half of my life. It was literally sitting around people that were actually mentally impaired. And I had to sit there because they had to try and get rid of me. And the only way to do that was to say, oh, he's mentally incapable of being in the military. And I sat in there for a long time, which it showed me a lot about myself. I actually had books to read. So I got to read in there because there's no TV. All the walls are just, it's like a prison in there. And literally you're just shut up with like these real people that are having mental problems. And I'm like, the first night I was like, there's no way I'm going to last in here. Like, this is insane. I don't know if you've ever seen like movies of mental asylum. But that's exactly what it looks like in there. It's literally exactly like that. And it was the scariest thing of my life. I had I got phone a phone call a day and I had grew a little bit closer towards my family members at that point. 
Because I every phone call that I every chance that I had, I was calling family members. I was like, this is gonna be rough, but just please just stay on the phone with me as long as he possibly can. Cause I need to hear some type of comfort. And from going there, I got out finally and the military released me. And that wasn't the end of it. That was just the beginning. I got out of the military. I called my mentor super excited. I was like, hey, like they sent me to a mental asylum, which it sucked, but I got out and like, I'm out now. Now I could work full time with you. And then he turns around and says, oh, if you can't handle the military, then I'm not training you. And I was like, wait, what? And then he just hung up and that was it. He was like, we're done. And then I was like, no way. Like I just left the military for this. And then I got home where I was living and the people that I lived with, it wasn't for that reason, but it was because of the, the vaccine. They had, they had, I didn't get the vaccine yet. And they had said like, you need it to stay with us. And they kicked me out right when I got home. And I was like, no way. Like there's no way this is all happening right now. Mm-hmm. And then I went from leaving the military to losing my mentor to getting kicked out of my house. And then I literally tried to, I went to my friend and I was like, Hey, like, can we just talk? Like I'm going through some rough stuff. All my friends disappeared. And I was like, Oh my goodness, bro. Like, this is, this is insane. Like I didn't know whether to laugh, to cry, or I didn't know what to do. And I had to move back home. And for a while I was, I was like down and out. I had to go back to a regular nine to five job. I had to go back to school. And I was like, man, like, this is not my life. This is not what I'm going to be doing, but I always still worked out. And I tried to stop working out for a while. That did not work. I tried, I, everything got worse. And I was like, oh, this is horrible. So I started to make a little bit of a change and I went back into the gym, started working out again. And then all of a sudden I got this opportunity. I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not staying in this position for the rest of my life. Like I'm going to make a change in my life. So I hated working my nine to five job and I found this opportunity where you can make money renting your car out. And so I threw my car on this platform and started making money off of it. And I made enough money to cover the car payment and I made double the payment. So I was like, oh wow, like I could actually make some good money on this. And I started to do, I got more cars. I ended up getting six cars and I made, I started making triple what I was making at my nine to five job. And I was like, Hey, like, listen, I'm out of here. I'll see you guys later. I made it. And then I was so excited, man. I was like, this is it. I hated my job, but I didn't know if I was really, cause it's entrepreneurship. You never know what every month is going to make. And I was just going off the whim of, I didn't want to work there. I'm just going to give everything to my business. And that's what happened. But shortly after things started to go downhill with the cars, one, a few cars got into crashes, things started popping off. And I was like, oh my goodness, I had to go get another nine to five job. And I, all the way back to square one. And I was like, you know what? I I actually enjoyed that. Like, I I know I lost everything, but it wasn't that bad. And I was like, you know what? We're going to try and do that again. But this time I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a mentor, somebody to show me how to do this. And I went back and I had been following this guy for about, I want to say a year. His name, you might know him. His name is Wes Watson. Um, But I had been going, yeah. So I've been training or watching his videos and seeing his different transformations and his business help that he had been doing 
but it was pertaining to fitness. And I was like, this is something I love. And this is something like I can make something out of this. And I had hit him up on social media and I was like, hey, like I see what you're doing. I just don't want to make fitness uh, a business. And he yelled at me just immediately. What is wrong with you? Like I see, he saw it. He was like, I see your videos. You have amazing potential. You're killing it in the gym. Like you have, you've made amazing transformations. Why aren't you giving this to the world? And I was like, man, like I've never been told that before, but hey, like let's, I'm buying your program. Like let's do it. And that's exactly what happened. I bought into his mentorship. And ever since it's just been taken off. He had taught me one thing that I live by and build this business by is create the man that you desire to be inside and out and give that person to the world. And that's what I tried to do and not even try. That's what I do every day is what is the person that I desire to be like? What does he look like? And it stopped becoming about money and success. And I was like, we, I don't want the money. I mean, it's a part of what I'm doing and I don't really care about the success. It's more about the transformation building the person that people want to see. And I was like, I know how to do this through fitness and nutrition. And I want to be able to give this to the person. So he showed me the method. And now I believe it's my vision and it's my purpose in life to give that to the world now. And that's my goal in life. So would it be safe to say like, when you get focused and you get the mentorship and you see yourself, not for where you're at, but for where you want to be, who you want to be, that you've seen the transformation in your life, whether it was high school, um, you know, being around uh, the time in the Marines and, and now is that a safe statement to make for those kind of situations and how you're handling it and continuing to, uh, to kind of set the stage for yourself? Yes, that's, that's exactly true. And I think, the one thing that people don't understand, and I highly recommend reading this book if anyone has the chance to do it, um, it's called The Hero's Journey. It's it's a bit of a long read, and it's actually very it's very in depth. But he goes through the cycle of the of every hero's journey, and everyone is going through a hero's journey. It's just everyone's on a different time scale. But one of the biggest things that he talks about is he has he puts it in this picture. Uh, there's just this big circle and there's a line straight through the circle. And it says on the top of it, it's the known. And right below that is the unknown. And he says, everyone's hero's journey starts with a call to adventure. And uh, you choose, there's two paths you can choose with that. When you get that call to adventure, you can accept that call to adventure or you'll, you don't want anything to do with it. And you'll try and run away from it, which life is going to keep pulling you back to your journey. And it's however it can get you back, it's going to keep pulling you back there. And when you accept it, when you finally do choose to go after it, that's when you enter into the unknown. And the unknown, he starts to proclaim it in mythological terms where he talks about it being like the walk into hell. Like you actually start going through the worst parts in your life and you start going step by step walking where you cannot see. And he said, once you actually do get to the end of that journey is exactly where you'll find what you need. And then you go back into back to the journey onto the known. And then you rise back into the life that you truly had wanted. But 
it gives you hope. That book had showed me so much about trust, trust your opinion, trust your intuition. You know a lot already. And you're, if you see the path, then you're most likely on somebody else's path. It's when you choose to go on that path that you can't see, that's your path. And not to be scared, like don't give up. Accept help from other people in your life. It's needed. You cannot do this journey on your own. But all the time, always accept help and realize that never to give up. If you just don't give up, there's so many different, like so many stories about people that became successful right after they were about to quit. And that's just don't give up and you will win. That's my biggest lesson that I've learned through all of this. As kind of wrapping this up, I'd love to understand how have you gone through the practice of saying, Hey, this is where I'm at, but this is the man that I want to be. Cause a lot of times when we hit those hard times, those challenges, we'll quit dreaming mm-hmm. and we just go, I'm relegated to where I'm at. This is where I'm stuck. How do you create the bigger image of where David's going to be and kind of what's that time frame? Or do you have multiple stages, you know, like one year, five year, 10 year, mm-hmm. how do you go about envisioning the David that you haven't yet met and become? So one of the things I've learned is never to think about the how, never think about how you're going to do it, but what it is that you're pursuing. And I think that's the key thing is what is it that you want? What does it look? What does it feel like? What is it? How does that person act? Do you want this big house with a big company? Do you want to change people's life, be able to speak on a big stage? How does it feel to do that? What does it look like? What is, how do you walk? How do you talk? Then when you realize what that is, don't worry about how you're going to get to that point, but simply worry about being that person now. Live that life, live that person. Are you walking? Are you talking like him? When you start to do this, you start to live that life already. And I'm a big believer in the quantum field. I started getting into quantum physics when I was in the military um, through a guy named, I don't know, you might know him. His name is Joe Dispenza. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I got into a lot of his teachings and that that really changed my life too. Um, I still teach a lot of my clients about breaking the habit of being yourself. And you think the same thoughts that you're thinking yesterday. And it's not until you become conscious about those thoughts that you start to change them around. And so every day, I think it's a battle every second of the day because we're prone already as human beings to think negatively of everything. So if you're thinking negatively, stop, stop making yourself feel bad. It's a natural thing for human beings to do because when we, at the start of time, we have this DNA programmed in us to have that fight or flight symptom of always running from stuff, always trying to find the negative about it and trying to keep ourselves safe, but you don't need to do that no more. So it's learning to reprogram your brain and think the thoughts and the thoughts that you do want. And when you start to do that, you start to create your mind in a way that it becomes a guide to your future instead of a record of your past. And I think that's the key is that you need to understand to constantly think the thoughts that you need to think. It's a daily battle. When you start to have those when you start to have those thoughts of you losing out those visions, stop in the moment, 
start breathing, literally come back to the now and say, I'm not thinking about that no more. These are the thoughts that I want to. This is where I'm going and I'm going to pursue it. And I'm not going to worry about how it's going to happen. You just need to pursue it and you need to know the vision. What is the end vision that you want? And then start to pursue it and trust that it will happen because it will as long as you don't give up. Because every day that you work towards it, your body and mind is adapting towards what it is that you're envisioning. I love it. Well, David, as we wrap up here, how can men get in touch with you outside of the podcast here? Yeah, so I'm on mostly on social media. I am actually starting a Facebook group to bring people together and give out all free content. Everything that I give out, whether it's dieting tips, whether it's workout tips, whether anything that I can possibly give away from the knowledge that I have is all for free on my Facebook group. And you can contact me on Instagram. I have David underscore Masano, one of 18. You can get in contact with me there and just tell me, hey, like I heard about your Facebook group. I'll give you access to that. Or you can find me on Facebook and hit me up there too. Just type in my name, David Masano, and you'll find me there. Sounds great. David, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me, my friend. Of course. It's an honor. Thank you. Thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to. It helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free. See you on the next episode. And remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one. <laughs>